uh, I'm so excited to be here. This is one of the meetings I've been looking forward to all year long. And so usually I have my wife with me, but we just had a baby seven weeks ago. And so between him and our six-year-old, our hands are pretty full. So I said I'll come and do this one uh, solo this weekend. So I'm glad to be here. And for the past eight years, we've been in evangelism. And throughout that eight years, I said I would never be a pastor. So six months ago, I became a pastor. And so uh, that's uh, my hairline's receding a little bit, but it's, it's been a good uh, couple of months. But I'm glad to be here, and I love this church, and I love your pastor. And we just had a good, good time around God's Word this morning. And a first service, so looking forward to a good second service. And I want you to invite you to come back and be with us this evening. And then don't miss Monday night and Tuesday night with Brother Jonathan McNeese. And I know he's going to be a great, great blessing. You're going to enjoy that. And so you don't do this every week, but every once in a while you have a meeting like this. And so come and be a part of it. You say, I'm not used to coming back on Sunday nights. Uh, then come join us tonight, just one time. And to come back Monday night and Tuesday night and just allow the Lord to speak to your heart. And he's going to do something special uh, this week. And I want you to be a part of it. And so thank you for allowing me to come. Again, I sure appreciate you, Fola. And I love coming here, always refreshed by coming through and uh, spending time with pastor and staff and uh, you as a church. Well, I'm going to come and bring just a very, very simple Bible revival message this morning. Is that okay? And I do have a tendency to speak fast. And uh, growing up, my dad had a lawnmower repair shop. He was a railroad man. And uh, we were not white collar, blue collar. We were ring around the collar. Amen. And so he was a railroad man, but part-time he owned a lawnmower repair shop. And so I saw hundreds of lawnmowers come in and out of that repair shop growing up. And every lawnmower that I've ever seen has two, two, two speeds, rabbit and turtle. Who knows what I'm talking about? And uh, when God called me to preach, he put me in rabbit. So I don't mean to preach fast. I just get excited and I try to pack in as much as possible. John chapter 1, verse number 35, the Bible says, And again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. Don't you love that name and that title for Jesus? And John said another place, Behold, the Lamb of God, which cometh to take away the sin of the world. He goes on to say in verse number 37, And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is uh, to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him about that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And notice this phrase in verse number 42, please. And he brought him to Jesus. Well, I like that phrase, don't you? And he brought him to Jesus. Father, would you help us this morning as we spend just a few moments around your word hearing a very, very simplistic Bible message. And Lord, we're not meeting here today because we don't have anything better to do. Lord, we've come today to worship you and to hear from your word. And so Lord, would you please speak to our hearts? Would you talk to us personally today? In fact, I pray that it would be so personal and so intimate that you would speak to our hearts like we were the only ones in the auditorium this morning. 
Lord, I pray if there be one among us today that has come to church but has never come to Christ, I pray just as we saw a man do in the first service, Lord, they would humble themselves and the Holy Spirit would draw them to Jesus and they would be born again today and they would come to know your Son as their personal Savior. Lord, I pray as I speak on the outside, you would speak on the inside. Anoint this service in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible never commands lost people to go to church. The Bible commands the church to go to lost people. And if there is ever an example of that found in the Bible, it's found in the life of this little-known disciple by the name of Andrew. Now, we know very little about Andrew because the Bible gives him very little attention. But every time that Andrew appears on the stage of Scripture, he's always, always, always bringing somebody to Jesus. In fact, the first time we find him is in this passage, and we find him bringing his own brother, Simon Peter, his own flesh and blood to the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ. The second time we find him is in the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And that's one of the rare stories that's found in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But only in the book of John does uh, the Bible tell us which disciple it was that went out and found the lad with the lunch and brought him uh, back to the Lord. Would anybody like to go out on a limb this morning and take a wild guess at which disciple that was? Once again, it was Andrew bringing some to Jesus. The final prominent place that we find him in the Bible is in John chapter 12, and he's pointing a group of Greeks to Jesus. Andrew's legacy was bringing people to Jesus. And can I say in 2023, that is the need of the hour. I said that is the need of the hour. It's been said that if a church does not evangelize, they will fossilize. I know of a church, uh, a pastor who recently retired, and he was in his 60s, and he was the youngest member of his church. There are other churches, possibly not too far from here, with just a few more funerals, and they'll be forced to close the doors. A church that does not evangelize will fossilize. That's the need of the hour. And if you and I are going to bring people to Jesus in 2023, we would do well this morning to take just a few moments and look at God's Word and look at the characteristics of Andrew and apply them to our own lives. The Bible gives us, we have seen what Andrew did this morning, but let's take a closer look at who Andrew was. The Bible gives very few details about him, but it gives enough details to paint a picture of what kind of man he was. The Bible speaks of his family. His family, Andrew was the brother of Peter. Their father was Jonah or Jonas in the New Testament. Their original home was in Bethesda, but after Christ's earthly ministry, he's found living with Peter's family in Capernaum. Now, nothing is ever said in the Bible about Andrew being married, but we know that Peter was married because Peter had a mother-in-law, and nobody in their right mind would have a mother-in-law if they were not married. Amen? And so we know that he was married, but nothing's ever said about that Andrew having a wife. But the fact that Andrew lived with his family would suggest to me that he loved his family. 
The Bible also speaks of his fishing. Uh, Peter was a fisherman by trade, living in Bethesda, Capernaum, uh, both, uh, both on the uh, northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. would have made it convenient uh, for that type of business. And so most of the fishing in the Bible took place at nighttime. And so we can imagine every evening the alarm clock would go off. He'd get out of bed, put on his fishing gear, uh, grab his nets, and all night long he cast the nets over the side of that boat and draw the fish uh, into the boat. I, I would consider him a blue-collar man. The Bible speaks of his family. The Bible speaks of his fishing. The Bible, lastly tonight, uh, this morning, speaks of his following as well. Andrew became a follower of John the Baptist, but after John introduced him to Jesus, he became a follower of Jesus Christ. So the fact that he was following John the Baptist early on tells me that he had some spiritual interest. He had a heart for the things of God. So if I had to stand back this morning and, and kind of summarize in a nutshell what kind of man Andrew was, I would say it this way. He was a blue-collar man who loved his family and who had a heart for God. Does that sound pretty accurate this morning? You know what that sounds like to me? It sounds about like 95% of the people that make up your church and 95% of the people that make up my church. It sounds like an average man or a woman sitting in the church pew this morning. It sounds to me like Andrew was just an ordinary man that did something extraordinary for God. And can I say this morning, that encourages my heart. Listen to me, that encourages my heart. God uses common people, average people, ordinary people to do extraordinary things for Him. Now, you may sit here this morning, and in high school, uh, you were voted the most likely to succeed. You went off to become the uh, valedictorian of your uh, graduating uh, college class. Uh, maybe today you're the CEO of your company. And can I say this to that category of people that are represented here this morning? God can use you too. He's just going to have to work a little bit harder. You say, why is that, preacher? Because from cover to cover in this book and even today, God specializes in using common people, ordinary people, regular people like you and me. How many says that's good news? And that's what we find here in the life of Andrew. The greatest thing that Andrew did that is recorded in the Bible was bringing his own brother to Simon Peter, uh, Simon Peter to Jesus. In fact, A.T. Pearson said that same thing. He said the greatest distinction of Andrew was precisely this, that he brought Simon uh, uh, to Christ. It's interesting when you begin to compare Andrew and Peter in the Word of God, uh, you'll find that uh, the name Andrew is written out 16 times in the New Testament and 13 out of those 16 times his name is written like, this, Andrew, comma, Simon Peter's brother. Andrew, comma, Simon Peter's brother. In other words, Peter is always in the spotlight, and Andrew is always in the shadows, but one man said it this way. In Scripture, Peter is everything, and Andrew is nothing, but would there have been a Peter but for an Andrew? In other words, Andrew never walked on the water. Andrew never preached on the day of Pentecost. Andrew never became one of the early leaders of the church. Andrew never went on to write any books of the Bible. But excuse me this morning, Andrew did bring a man to Jesus who did go on to walk on the water, who did preach on the day of Pentecost, who did become one of the early leaders of the church, who did go on to write books of the Bible. Here's what I'm saying this morning. The greatest accomplishment of your life may not be something you do for Jesus. It may be somebody you bring to Jesus. In other words, we can't all be a Peter, but we can all be an Andrew. 
How many this morning knows the name of uh, D.L. Moody? Would you raise your hand? You know D.L. Moody? If you know, how many knows the name of uh, Edward Kimball? Would you raise your hand this morning? Two people. You say, preacher, we, uh, uh, we know D.L. Moody. I mean, that was the great evangelist. We hear him quoted all the time. That's the man who shook two continents for the cause of Christ. But preacher, we're not real familiar with Edward Kimball. Edward Kimball was just a humble, a faithful Sunday school teacher who one day went into a downtown Boston to a shoe store. It's a staple store today. And he went to the shoe store to visit a young man who happened to be D.L. Moody who had visited his class. And by his own account, when he arrived at the shoe store, that day, he almost did not go in. He said he began to pace back and forth and hesitated and wondered, I wonder if I'll embarrass him. I wonder if his co-workers will give him a hard time. He said, I almost did not go in that day, but I was compelled to go in. And he said as a result of that visit, Adil Moody came to Christ. And by the way, in that same account, he said, when I went in and shared the gospel that day, he said it was a weak appeal. In other words, when I shared the good news that day, I felt like it didn't do a very good job. But aren't you thankful today that the power is not in our presentation. The power is in the message of the gospel. As a result, D.L. Moody came to Christ and the rest is history. I'll never forget, I was in the, somewhere in the south, and we were preaching a Sunday school class, and usually if there is a distraction somewhere in the auditorium, I just looked the other way and plow through it. But this particular morning, there was a young lady sitting on the front row, and it looked to me out of the corner of my eye, she had her foot contorted up towards her head. Well, finally, I was, I was such, so distracting, I finally looked over and listened to me. My wife was there. She saw it with her own eyes. She can attest to it. I looked over, and that young lady on the front row of Sunday school is chewing her toenails. I've never seen anything like that in my life. I pray to God I never see anything like that again. But listen to me, I've never, I have never seen another young lady bring as many people to church as that young lady. Sunday morning, she had visitors there. Sunday night, she would have visitors there. Wednesday night, teen youth group, she would have visitors there. fact of the matter is you may never be a pastor and impact an entire community for Christ. You may never be an evangelist and preach a citywide a tent crusade and see scores of people come to Christ. You may never be a, a missionary and go and reach a tribe of people for the Lord Jesus Christ. But you say this morning, preacher, if God can use an average ordinary man like Andrew, if God can use a humble Sunday school teacher like Edward Kimball, and if God can use some girl who chews her own toenails then I think there's a slight chance that possibly God can use my life as well. How many would say that today? I want you to know that God can use you and God can use me. You say, preacher, how can God use me to bring people to Jesus? I want to preach on that subject for just a few moments today, bringing people to Jesus. First of all, notice this. If you're going to bring people to Jesus, you must first of all meet the prerequisite. You must meet the prerequisite. You say, preacher, in this passage this morning that you just read, what was it that caused Andrew to seek out Peter and bring him to the Lord? Well, the answer in our passage is this. Andrew had met the Lord himself, and that inspired him to seek out Peter and to bring him to Christ. In other words, the only prerequisite and the only requirement for bringing other people to Jesus is that you know Jesus for yourself. 
In fact, one man, D. Young, said to get people as far as Peter, we must first of all have got as far as Andrew ourselves. In other words, I'm all for uh, taking classes on how to be, uh, be a witness. I'm all for reading books on how to be more effective. I'm all for listening to podcasts and, and sharpening our skills. But listen to me, no amount of classes that you take, no amount of books that you read, no amount of podcasts that you listen to will ever make up for a lack of personally knowing Christ for yourself. We were based for eight years out of northwest Arkansas. We live in northeast Arkansas now. But when we got to that church there, before we launched into evangelism, we spent the fall there and just got plugged into the church. And so when we arrived, my pastor said, would you teach a six-week class on Wednesday night and just take people step-by-step on how to take the Bible and lead someone else to put their faith in Jesus? I said, yes, I'd love to do that. And so we about 30 people signed up for that, and that was encouraging. And so week by week, just took the Bible step by step. Here's how to lead someone else to Christ. At the end of that class, I said, if anybody would like to go out and uh, put this into practice and actually try it, I said, I'd be glad to take you. Well, one man in our church, his name is Jesse. And Jesse was raised up in our town, and, and at one time he was a, a boxer. And then drugs and sin got a hold of his life, and he became a brawler and developed a reputation. Uh, but one day, Jesse got saved, and all that changed. And so Jesse sat in the class, and he said, I'd like to go out. So I said, all right, let's go on a Saturday morning. And this is like old school style. Let's just go like knock on a door, invite people to church, and uh, they try to uh, have just a gospel conversation with them and see if we can uh, share the gospel. He said, all right. And so we got to the first door that morning. I knocked. I said, Jesse, you, you sat to the class. I taught you everything that I know. I, I'm going to do the first one, then you get the second door. He said, okay, I got it. I knocked on the door, invited him to church, didn't get real far. And we got to the next door. I said, now, again, you've taken the class. I taught you everything I know. I said, you watch me do it. Do exactly what I taught you to do. He knocked on the door. They answered. He started talking. He didn't do one thing that I taught him to do in that six-week class. You can't lead people to Jesus if you don't stick to the script. Amen? Just kidding. And, uh, but Jesse began to go st- uh, door after door, and he began to tell people how sin had wrecked his life. But one day he met Jesus and everything changed. Can I tell you this morning, Jesse was qualified to tell people about Jesus. Not because he had sat through some little six-week class I taught on Wednesday night. Jesse was qualified to tell people about Jesus because Jesse knew Jesus for himself. Now listen, I'm for training. We're for equipping. You do that here. I do it at my church. We're for that. But listen to me. How in the world are you going to tell people how to be saved if you don't know that you're saved yourself? How in the world are you going to tell people how to go to heaven if you don't know that you're going to heaven yourself. So let me ask you a question this morning. Do you know? Do you know? Do you know that if you were to die right now that you'd go to heaven? Do you remember when you were lost and had no peace and no joy and purpose in your life? Do you remember when the Bible says you were separated from God because of your sin? Do you realize that the Bible says, for whosoever keepeth the whole law, yet offended in one point is guilty of all. Listen to me. All it takes is one sin to disqualify you from heaven and to destine you to hell. If you die in your sin, you will spend all eternity in a hot burning hell. But I got good news. The Bible says Christ Jesus came into the world to save sin. 
sinners. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. I'm asking you, do you know Christ as your Savior? Listen to me. He's not a good way to heaven. He's not the best way to heaven. He's the only way to heaven. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He says, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be made white as snow. Right this morning, there's a welcome mat on the front door of heaven. And Jesus says, whosoever will may come, whosoever will may come. But there will come a day when that welcome mat will be taken up and that door will be locked and your opportunity to be saved will be over. See, there will come a day when you say no to Jesus for the last time. And you can play games and you can show up on a sunny morning and you can go through the motions and you can sing the songs and you can fool the pastor and you can fool your friends and you can fool your family, but you're not going to fool God. And if you're here without Jesus Christ, and I encourage you to do exactly what that nearly 80-year-old man did this morning and put your pride aside and walk down this aisle and just like he did, come to Jesus this morning at Euphola Baptist Church. How in the world are you going to tell people how to go to heaven if you don't know you're going to heaven yourself? First and foremost today, if you're going to bring people to Jesus, you must know Jesus personally. Notice this, number two this morning. Not only must you know Jesus personally, but secondly, you must make it a priority as well. You must make it a priority as well. Notice verse number 41. The Bible says, and this is after he he found Christ. The Bible says in verse number 41, He first, he first, he first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah. The word first in verse number 41 speaks of rank and importance. It does not just mean that uh, Peter was the first one that he went out and found and brought back to the Lord. Uh, that's 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 what happened. That word first means the very first thing that he did was to go out and find Peter and to bring him back to the Lord. In other words, whatever was going on in that moment, he laid it aside. Whatever was primary became secondary, and the most important thing in that moment was going to find his own brother and to bring him back uh, to the Lord. I don't mean to be oversimplistic this morning, but I believe on that day the reason that Peter was brought to Jesus was because it was important to Andrew. Let me tell you something. You're going to have a hard time bringing folks to Jesus if it's unimportant to you. In a revival meeting, an evangelist was staying in the home of a family in a house where there were two boys. And upon a day, the mother said to the preacher, the evangelist, I I cannot understand. Other children are being saved. Uh, Other boys are finding the Lord. But my boys are indifferent. And Dr. Scarborough said to the mother, can I say a word to you and not offend you, not hurt you? And she said, indeed, yes. And he said, the reason the boys are unconcerned is because their mother's unconcerned. And the reason the boys are dry-eyed is because their mother is dry-eyed. The reason the boys are without conviction is because mother is without conviction. It went straight to her heart, and that night she stood up all night long praying with many tears for those two boys, standing in the gap. 
The next Sunday morning at the breakfast table, the younger boy stood up and said, May I be excused? And he went outside, and somewhere beyond the barn, he found the Lord as his Savior and came back in and said, Mother, last night you thought I was sleeping, but I heard your prayers and I heard your crying, and I have given my heart to the Lord. Then at the 10 o'clock service that morning, the second boy arose in the middle of the service while the preacher was preaching and said, Mother, I can't wait until the preacher has done his sermon. Last night I heard you crying and I heard you praying, and I too have given my heart to the Lord. You're going to have a hard time bringing people to Jesus if it's not important to you. Well, some of you, there used to be a time in your life when it was important. You, you, there was a time in your life some of you, you couldn't get to sleep at night and you'd be up in the middle of the night pacing, uh, wearing a hole in the carpet uh, just back and forth in the living room and in the kitchen uh, just so burdened for your family members and so burdened for your co-workers and so burdened for your friends uh, that did not know Christ you used to drive all the way to work and say God just give me an opportunity today just let it come up in a conversation just give me one open door today and I'll speak to them about Christ some of you used to have vis- visitors in church with you can I ask you a personal question today? Some of you have been here a long time, and we, we appreciate that. You've been here 20 years, 15 years, 5 years. I mean, faithful. And listen to me. Lord bless you for your faithfulness and your commitment to the local church. But let me ask you a question. Who is in this church because of you? Well, we need revival, don't we? You say, preacher, this is opening meeting of the, the opening service of the revival, and you're preaching on bringing people to Jesus? Oh, yes. Because at the end of this week, if you don't love God more and you don't love people more, you may have had a meeting, but you didn't have revival. Number one, if you're going to bring people to Jesus, first and foremost, you have to know Jesus personally. Number two, it has to become important to you. And then lastly, number three, if you're going to bring people to Jesus, you simply must stay after people. Notice the Bible goes on to say in verse number 42, and he brought him to Jesus. Verse number 42, the Bible says that he brought him. And when you begin to unpack the word brought, we get an idea of how the scene went down. The word brought comes from a Greek word, which means to drive, to lead by laying hold of, and to lead by accompanying. A.T. Pearson said the use of the word here could indicate that Andrew had to overcome some resistance on Simon Peter's part. And if we know anything about Peter in the Gospels, we know that he was hard-headed, he was stubborn, he was like a mule. Come on now. And so when he got there on that day, I can just see Andrew's out of breath. <sighs> Peter, I've been looking all over for you. And by the way, the Bible says that he sought him until he found him. I Meaning he kept on searching for him and did not stop searching for him until he found him. This is the before an iPhone, before an Android. There was no text messaging. He searched for him until he found him. And so when he got there, no doubt he was out of breath. And he said, Peter, I've been looking all over for you. You've got to come with me. I got good news. We found the Messiah. We found Jesus. Peter probably did not fall to his knees and say, what must I do to be saved? No, I probably went something like this. No thanks. Not interested. Kind of tied up right now. I'm busy. Maybe next Sunday. No, 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 no. But listen to me. 
Although Peter resisted, Andrew persisted, and Andrew Andrew eventually brought Peter to Jesus. Let me tell you something. Not every person you witness to is going to get saved the first time you share the gospel with them. Most of you did not get saved the first time that you heard the gospel. But somebody stayed after you. Even if it was no one else other than the Holy Spirit himself, the Holy Spirit kept drawing, and the Holy Spirit kept putting people in your path. And every time you turn on the radio, somebody is preaching. Every time uh, you get to work, someone is bringing it up again. And it just seems like everywhere you went, you kept bumping into the gospel, a bumping into the gospel, a bumping into the gospel. Listen to me. That was the grace of God in your life. How many thankful that God stayed after you? We've been gone out of town. We were, in, again, back in northwest Arkansas while we were traveling in evangelism. I've been gone for a few weeks. We came back on a Sunday morning. And my pastor preached the gospel, and a young lady, a young married lady, came and walked the aisle and came to get saved. And she came, and pastor's mother took her back to the offices and sat down with her and showed her from the scriptures how to be saved. And it happened to be the daughter-in-law of a couple in our church by the name of Jeff and Tammy. And Jeff and Tammy are business owners in northwest Arkansas and just great servants in our church. And uh, I walked up, and Jeff was sitting on the front row. I said, Jeff, is that your daughter-in-law? He says, yes, she's back there getting saved. I said, awesome. I said, is this, uh, is this the first time she's come? He says, no, she, she, she's come a few times now and has heard Pastor preach. I said, well, praise the Lord, it finally took. And he says, well, actually, I think the key, and this is what he said. He said, actually, I think the key was Tammy his wife. And then he said this. He said, Tammy has just stayed after her. Tammy's been texting her Bible verses. Tammy's been taking her out to lunch and answering her questions. Tammy calls her on Saturday night to make sure she's going to be in church the next day. And because Tammy stayed after her, Tammy was able to bring her daughter-in-law to Jesus. His name was John Broadus. He was the president of Southern Seminary. And in his hometown, there was a young man by the name of Sandy Jones. Sandy Jones was a mentally handicapped young man. But John Broadus led Sandy Jones to Jesus. Every time John brought us, would go back to his hometown, he'd always run into Sandy Jones and see one another. And Sandy Jones always said the same thing. He said, Howdy, John. Thank you, John. I'll never forget you, John. In telling that story, John brought us, goes on to say, he says, when I get to heaven, the voice that I most long to hear is that of my Savior saying, Welcome home, John. But he said the second voice that I most long to hear is that of Sandy Jones saying, Howdy, John. Thank you, John. I'll never forget you, John. Wouldn't it be wonderful this year to know that God used your life to bring somebody to Jesus? And I say there's a whole lot of Peters around Statesville that are just waiting for an Andrew. Hey, God uses ordinary, regular old people like you and me, people who know him personally, 
people in whom it is a priority and the people who just stay after. I'm not talking about being obnoxious. I'm not talking about being an idiot. I'm not talking about being a jerk. But just consistently loving people, praying for them, weeping for them, inviting them. That's the kind of people God uses. You can be that person. I can be that person that brings people to Jesus in 2023. Father, we love you this morning. Thank you for salvation. But Lord, help us to understand today that found people find people. And that when we get saved, there ought to be a desire to see other people saved. Lord, and if there's not, there's something wrong with us. I want to ask you two questions this morning and I'm done. Number one, who brought you to Jesus? Who is your Andrew? Was it a mama? Was it a daddy? There was a youth pastor somewhere, a pastor, a preacher, a co-worker. Who brought you to Jesus? Well, right now you ought to just thank God for them. God, thank you for sending me and Andrew in my life that cared for me and loved me, that stayed after me. Thank you for my Andrew. Second question I want to ask you today is not only who brought you to Jesus, but I want to know this morning, who have you brought to Jesus? Who have you brought? You say, preacher, my younger years, when I first got saved, I was involved in bringing folks to Jesus. But as time has gone on, I've got away from that. But this morning, God has stirred in my heart. I want to recommit myself to be an Andrew. If that's you, would you raise your hand this morning, preacher? That's me. That's me. That's me. Let me ask you this. If you died right now, do you know Christ personally? Do you know that if you would die right now that you're going to heaven? How many says, preacher, I know that because I'm saved, not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done for me, I have the Son. I'm going to heaven when I die. I'm saved. If that's you, would you raise your hand today? Yes. Many hands. Well, maybe there's one or two who could not raise their hands, but they wanted to. They said, Preacher, I, I, I don't know. Preacher, I, I can't tell people how to be saved because I don't know that I'm saved. Preacher, I can't tell someone how to go to heaven because I don't know that I'm going to heaven. Preacher, I'm concerned about that this morning. Would you pray for me? I don't know I'm going to heaven. Hey, if that's you, would you raise your hand today? Preacher, that's me. Preacher, that's me. Anyone like that at all? Put your hand right up. Put it right back down. I see that hand. Anybody else? Preacher, pray for me. I know it takes courage and boldness. Anyone else? Preacher, pray for me. I don't know. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to say amen, and then we're going to stand to our feet. And as soon as we stand to our feet and Brother Matt begins to sing, I just want you to step right out of your seat, come right down to the front. We will have men and women with Bibles ready to sit down and show you from God's Word how to be saved. Would you do that today? We want to give you that opportunity. Lord, bless this invitation now. Help those to respond that need to make decisions. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go and stand to our feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning, won't you come? Won't you come today? Just as You're going to be the greatest decision.